0: We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. All right, we are uh, uh, happy to have you here, joining us here online. Uh, Obviously, I am not Pastor Matt or Jansen. (laughs) So I'm filling in for them while they are out uh, at GMSA uh, this this week. And so we're praying for them to have a good time, have it be fruitful. Uh, And uh, Pastor Matt asked if I'd mind sharing something. And uh, obviously, always happy to to share something here. So I I thought... um, as I was thinking about what to, what to share with everybody today, um, I thought I'd just kind of let everybody know some things that I've been struggling with, some, some things I've been wrestling with. It's, uh, it's, it's easy when we are, um, we know there are certain sins to avoid, right? You, you, you know, like, hey, I, I'm not gonna you know, get involved with things I shouldn't be seeing, I'm not gonna get involved with things I should not be partaking or a wrong crowd. But what if, um, you know, you you allow something else to come of become a distraction uh, from God? And and that's something I've been struggling with, with work. I, I give a lot of my time to work, and I, with that it helps, well, it's hindered me at times um, from uh, really spending time in the Word as much as I have been previously, and then obviously it takes away from time in my family. And so, so just we kind of go through some things I've been kind of looking at, and then also... I also wanted to share some of my thoughts on, you know, Wednesday nights we often pray uh, for things that really are upsetting us, and uh, I, I thought I'd hit on a couple of those points, uh, things I've thought about from from common common threads, if you would. So I'm going to bounce around from a few different scriptures, if you don't mind getting your fingers ready there. <laughs> so I'd like to start off um, with 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to be in First Peter five verses uh, five to eleven. First right, Peter five five. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him. For He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and the dominion, forever and ever. So, before I started that uh, portion of Scripture, I mentioned that I'm struggling with with work and uh, it's something that's really kind of becoming a quite distraction for me. And it, it's something that it's. You know, I have problems at work. That's fine, but then I just I end up putting a lot more time in than I would like. As far as and I I don't I don't read my scriptures as much as I was before, and it's it, it, I, sometimes I it suffer some time my family, and that's a problem, real problem. Uh, I've been dealing with this for the past uh, a few months. Uh, before that, I was steady. I was steady with uh, going through the Word. And uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's funny that something so simple as work can become such a distraction. And, you know, in here, uh, Peter writes that we are to be humble and to cast all of our cares. It's almost, I think, for me at least at times, it's like, well, why, why bother God with my, my work problems? You know, like I can, I can deal with it just a little bit longer, but no, cast all your cares on him. And be humble. Like I cannot do this on my own. It's something I often say for salvation. that We cannot do it on our own. But also, just in general with life, there's so much there that we need to pause and just know we need God's help with. So something I wanted to kind. Of, and that Satan's looking to see who he can devour. And that there's certain things you have your guard up against. Kind of like known sins, right? So you don't. Don't go out, don't go drinking, don't go out with those crowds. There's certain things you just know not to be a part of. But something that you think it's like, hey, it's just work, this is good. And work is good. But something even as simple as that can be a distraction if we allow it to be and help just take our minds away from God just a little bit, get get it there. So it's something I'm really trying to focus in on. Another Another verse I'd like to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just two verses here. I'd like to look at verses twelve and thirteen. First Corinthians ten twelve. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What a great comfort that is! Great comfort. That you're going to have a hard time, but God's going to be there. And um, I I cling to that. Not just with work, but in general elsewhere. One thing I've often kind of, kind of thought about here is the um, Let Him who thinks He stands, take heed lest He fall. I've heard it said before, and I think it's a pretty interesting thought process, is that the Christian life is like an escalator that's going down. But you are trying to go up. So you're going, 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 going. And it's like, stop. Stop reading the Word. Stop going to church. You know, like you just kind of stop. You don't just stay put, you go backwards. And there's like this thought process that, you know, there's always this like, you know, like, hey, I'm good, you know, it's okay if I don't read the word or spend time with fellow believers. Slowly you start to kind of just lose traction. So it's something that kind of always got to keep, keep moving forward. Don't just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I'm doing good. So I want to share that. Another thought I'd like to share with you is in the uh, book of Mark, chapter 12. I'm going to be in verses 28 to 31. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So as we face temptations, we have to ask ourselves if what we're facing or what we might be doing with that, are we loving the Lord our God with all of our, our heart, soul, and mind, and strength? So it's just something to always kind of keep in our, our head as we're dealing with things. And then also love the neighbor as yourself. And I would like to say that, you know, I think sometimes people say, "Ah, I don't want to go to church today. I don't need to be there. i got to let go or I'm tired. There's that temptation there. But... You don't know the impact you're going to have on somebody else that's there that needs to talk to you. That just having you there matters. And I'm not saying we need to lift ourselves or puff ourselves up. But we need to be thoughtful that someone might be there, might want to just have a listening ear. So let's be there for them. And you know, love somebody as much as we love ourselves. And obviously work and love God with that, I'd like to then go with uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider one another... In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I love Wednesday nights. I just love them. It's our intimate group. We can be honest with each other. We can talk. You know, and as we can stir up love. I mean, sometimes sometimes we have hard times. We need to talk to somebody. I mean, we don't always have a a safe spouse at home. You know, we have to kind of be fighting that fight on our own until we get here with each other. And being together matters. It matters a lot. And uh, as we kind of fight, just to kind of get charged up a little bit, I love that it's a Wednesday. I love midweek. It's great. I love just getting to know everybody, the intimacy we have here on Wednesday nights in our group. Not saying a lot more. More the barrier. But it's a special time we need to make sure that we, we matter to each other. Next thing I want to look at is Romans chapter eight, please. And I'll be in verses twenty eight and third through thirty. Romans eight. 28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he predestined these he also called whom he called these he also justified and whom he justified these he also glorified. You know, as we face hard times, we, we gotta know that God's, God's got a reason for it. There's, there's, there's something going on there. And as I mentioned earlier, I've been having these, these problems with work. And then I, recently I started, you know, thinking back over, all, I've had a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of jobs. And I'm looking back at some of the different jobs I've had, right? And one of the jobs I had, was a realtor. I don't know if you guys do. that. I was a realtor for about, uh, maybe about five years or so. And what's interesting is, is when you're a realtor, you're unemployed every single day. Every day you're unemployed. You don't get money unless you sell a house. <laughs> At least the commission structure I was under. <laughs> That's a lot of stress. And so you got to get out there, you got to talk to people. You got to talk to people who don't want to talk to you and really kind of force your way in there. I did a lot of work with people that, f- for sale by owners. They not only don't want to talk to you, <laughs> I can do it on my own. I don't need you. And, but in my time with them, I actually got a lot of my business from For Sale By Owners, just a rapport that I had. And and then outside of the real estate, I had other sales jobs where you got to do a lot of cold calling. And nobody likes getting cold called. And you're, just, you're trying to get to that decision maker. And you're just hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And how do you just have some in to have somebody just listen to you a little bit longer to get to somebody else, right? And so I'm looking back at that, and those were hard times, you know, having to deal with that. wasn't always the most pleasant work experience. But now, think about that, and then think about using that for getting the gospel out. No one wants to talk to you about Jesus Christ. <laughs> they don't want to take your time. But God was using that to get me going, to help me out, you know? how do I, How do I get somebody to talk to me that doesn't want to talk to me? How do I get, you know, so God was... I was working on me, you know, and as I just look back, it's okay, that makes sense, you know kind of everything starts to kind of fall in play and you know as with with work current state um a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, we had a couple different missionaries that were here, and one of the missionaries mentioned some of the hard regions that are hard to get into, and one of them is Japan, well my company is a Japanese-owned company. And so we have a lot of Japanese, a lot of Japanese that are there. They're there for short periods of time, then they're going to go back or go abroad somewhere else. And there's also a small, small chance, I might be sent to Japan for a short period of time, not, not forever, but short period of time. And you think about that. What I work for a Japanese company that can help maybe get into somebody that's so closed-door, and if not, at least have Impact with people that I work with that do have family back home. So, God's in control. We'll see what's going on, but just something I found encouraging from what one uh, uh, of the missionaries shared. And I wish I could remember which one shared that stat with us, but I was encouraged by it. Another thing I would like to look at is Second uh, Samuel chapter five. Second Samuel chapter 5. That would be in verse 1 through 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led uh, Israel out, out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel, and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. What I find interesting is, and kind of encouraging, I just happened to come across this in one of my readings of scripture. It really jumped out at me is that, you know, David was anointed to be king as a boy. And that he had to fight, fight his whole life. And God made him king, but in time, God wanted him to be there but in time. And so when we ha- have these heartaches and, and, and frustrations, God has a plan in time. And we just need to be thoughtful of that. and Think about that as we go through these hardships that don't make sense now, or maybe won't even make sense this side of heaven, but God has a plan. And so I just was encouraged by that portion of looking at David when he was anointed to and he actually became a Christian. Something else that came across to kind of I'm going to put a spotlight on me it was uh i'm, to, I'm sorry I'm sorry making you guys jump around so much here but go back to we're gonna to go to first Corinthians chapter one Pastor Matt asked me to you know do this a few months ago, but then I came across this portion of scripture. Recently, it really kind of jumped out at me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to be in verse 17 to 31. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through I'm sorry, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. four. Jews request to sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ's crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness and to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When I was uh, reading through First Corinthians a few weeks ago when I was up north, This verse jumped out at me because, as you know, well, a few years ago, I got really into apologetics. I got really into apologetics, you know, where the studying of like how to answer, you know, and kind of put your thoughts through and defend the Christian faith. I found it very interesting. But one thing I noticed when I was really getting into apologetics was it's a slippery slope because at some point you stop sharing the gospel. And you start using man's wisdom, and that's a danger. And so, when I talk, it's good when you're talking to someone to have something you can relate to, a thought process that can grab a hold of, and makes sense. But you got to bring it back to scripture. You know, you got to. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, not by the wisdom of man. Because you know, it, it, it's, as Paul says here, you know, the how do you, how do you call it here the. Um, Forgive me here. I just had it. Verse seventeen. The uh, wisdom of the words, the cross of Christ. We're out there, you know. The words deal with the cross of Christ. The message of the cross. Message of the cross in verse eighteen. That, so it's something I'm always kind of conscious of when I'm talking to people. That although I might engage them, I, I I really try to pull back and not use anything that's slick. There was um, a uh, a famous apologetic person who passed away a few years ago. Interesting guy to listen to, real interesting. But then I realized when he was done talking, and he would talk to large crowds, not once, not once did he say anything from Scripture. Nothing. It was purely, you know, in his head, arguing and making comments in his head, and that's a danger. So. It was another as I'm kind of bringing up things that I'm kind of watching for myself, the temptations at time I face. This was one. that I was like, "Yep, that's what I got to watch out for. I, I got to be careful with that." And it's good to be conscious of it, so that we don't we don't go down that path. But just wanted to kind of share with you something that I I came across. Something else I wanted to kind of go towards here is. Um, I wanted to kind of think about the fact that um, we often pray for our government and, you know, it's a frustration for us. And I often think about Nebuchadnezzar when we talk about the government. I often think about the relationship between Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. And so I'd like to kind of highlight a few things between the relationship and then we'll, we'll call it an evening. But if you would mind, please, turn to Second Kings chapter 24. 2 Kings chapter 24. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here, so kind of bear with me. But I really want, want, in in this portion of the scripture I'm going to read, it really paints a really good picture of of, uh, what kind of um, person Nebuchadnezzar was the people that he conquered, how he handled it, you know, and just really kind of how kind of a bad dude he was. So 2nd Kings chapter 24. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him raiding bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, and bands of the people of Ammon. He sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servants and the prophets. So Nebuchadnezzar is doing this because God is using him to do it. Surely, at the commandment of the Lord, this came upon Judah, to remove them from his sight. Because the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also because of the innocent blood that he had shed. For he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. And when I read that, I instantly think about the United States and our abortion. You know, we are just soaked in that. And the judgment is rightfully coming because of that. Verse 5. Now, The rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he had and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. And the king of Egypt did not come out of the land anymore. For the king of Babylon had taken all that he belonged, all that belonged to the king of Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Shehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Neshutta, the daughter of El-Nathan of Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. At At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, came against the city, as his servants were besieging it. Then Jehoiakim, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes, and his officers went out to the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. And he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord. As the Lord has said, also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains, and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and smiths, none remained except the poorest people of the land. And he carried Jehoiakim captive to Babylon. The king's mother, the king's wives, his officers, and the mighty of the land he carried into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. All the valiant men, 7,000, and craftsmen, and smiths, 1,000, all who were strong and fit for war, these the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. Then the king of Babylon made uh, Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done, for because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem, and Judah, that he finally cast them out from his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Now it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem, and encamped against it, and they built a siege wall against it all around. So the city was besieged until the eleventh hour, I'm sorry, I'm sorry until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine had become so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city was broken through, and all the men of war fled at night by way of the gate between two walls, which was the king's garden, even though the Chaldeans were still encamped all around against the city, and the king went by way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king, and they overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his army was scattered from him. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they pronounced judgment on him. Now listen to this. Then they killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him with bronze fetters, and took him to Babylon. They killed Zedekiah's children in front of him and made that the last thing that man saw. When you think about that. And all that he was taken captive with him. And uh, pretty severe. So we know he's a no-nonsense person. And with that in mind, I just want to read Daniel's interaction with him. So if you wouldn't mind turning to Daniel chapter 4. 4. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I Nebuchadnezzar was at rest in my house, and flourishing in my place. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream. But they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and him is the Spirit of the Holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of the Holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream. I have seen, and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said this, Chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit, let the beasts get out from under it, and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth. Bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar. Declares interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Beltisazar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Beltisazar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Beltisazar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. For your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree, destroy it, but leave its stumps and its roots in the earth. Bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field. Till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation of king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men; your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever He chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the commandment, to, the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. finish it off here all this came upon king nebuchadnezzar at the end of the 12 months he was walking about the royal palace of babylon the king spoke saying is not this great babylon that i have built for royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty while the word was still in the king's mouth a voice fell from heaven king nebuchadnezzar to you it is spoken The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen, His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the times, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will. In the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me, and I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven of all whose works are truth and his ways justice and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. So a couple of things I just really appreciate out of this portion of Daniel chapter 4 is, first of all, I mean, when Nebuchadnezzar was talking to Daniel, gave him the, the dream that uh, Daniel was sad sad by it. I and mean, here's a, a bad king and yet Daniel had love for him. And and just plead with him, maybe you can still get a little bit of mercy if you just change your ways. But he he even though he knew what Nebuchadnezzar did to his people, he had so much love for him. And the other thing that also jumps out at me is that over and over and over again in that portion, it kept saying God gives it to whom he will. And as we have governments and rulers, that we don't appreciate, God put them there. They are there for his reason and his work. And so it's something to think about. So oftentimes when we think about how frustrated we are with, with the world, I think about how Daniel reacted to Nebuchadnezzar, and I try to follow suit in how Daniel reacted. So I thank everybody for their time and their work in their fingers as I was working through everything today. And uh, I, I'm pleased with the reading of his word.